1: Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Lloyd, Newcastle Mini and BMW. For the latest offers and to browse their used car stock, go to LloydMotorGroup.com. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove. Today, joined by Chris Woff and Sean McCormick. And another fantastic week for Newcastle United. A 2-1 victory. Well, Arsenal, and that's exactly where we'll start. Chris, I think a lot of people went into this game expecting Newcastle maybe to get something, and they didn't disappoint on what was it, a wonderfully sunny day on Tyneside.
0: Yeah, it was a strange one, but I, I turned up the ground on Saturday, um, Sunday, sorry, and I spoke to a few people later. About
1: what time was that, about 9 o'clock?
0: It was about uh, half 10, I think, half 10, three hours before kick-off. Um, Mark Douglas like to, to tweet me and say, I think it was 10.32 because he tweeted me saying that, it was going to be disciplinary because I was slightly later on the Asian games by two minutes um, but yeah when I turned up the ground I spoke to a few people including John Anderson who's going Newcastle and we, we each said to each other it's a, one of those matches where anything could happen the, the pressure really was off both teams yes Arsenal are still trying to get six but their focus is on the Europa League Newcastle was safe already and no scoreline would have really surprised me um, and in the end I think Newcastle thoroughly deserved the win I don't think they started very well they gave Arsenal maybe a bit too much credit first 20 minutes but then once they got back in the game with the equaliser they were on top and thoroughly deserved it second half. and I thought they, they were comfortable, it could have been three or four, Kennedy obviously shot under the bar and, and Peres at the side net and then I just think that the confidence has flown through the veins of that side at the moment and Modi Army was out of this world for most of the game, he was absolutely everywhere and he really is at the top of this game right now
1: so, yeah, you're right, Chris, a lot of portraits for Modi I mean, he was again superb on Sunday, but another effort by the team where you couldn't really pick one person out for being brilliant. It's another team effort, everyone really pulling together, and it's starting to show, obviously, showing with Newcastle now in the top 10 and, and safe from relegation.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think it's something Rafa keeps talking about, isn't it? Everyone pulling in the same direction, the United effort, for everyone at the club, the players, the staff, the fans. And at no point, really... Particularly at one one, did you ever think that Newcastle were gonna were gonna gonna lose that game? Did you? They, no. they look comfortable. They playing with a lot of confidence. The fans, you, you see the sense that they believe that they're always going to be in that game, always gonna have a chance of winning. Um, and you know, it just looks like a team that is playing with the shackles off. They're starting to believe that they are that they belong in the Premier League. And they're a team that knows how to play together now. It's a real settled outfit that Rafa keeps picking that same team all the time, which hasn't really been something he's done throughout his tenure, is it? Um and as I say, they just look full of confidence on Sunday. Um they've really cemented that place in the top ten now, three points player of Bournemouth, and they're going to Everton on Monday, with a chance of levelling them on points and really going for all like, oh, that eighth place? Leicester isn't out of reach anymore, are they? Yeah, no, I mean
1: an Arsenal coming to the game they don't have the best of records on the road haven't won a point on the road in 2018 obviously a long trip back from Moscow do you think that affected Arsenal do you think it wasn't just Newcastle were brilliant it was that Arsenal were A quite poor and maybe a bit low on confidence
0: I don't think for large parts Newcastle were brilliant compared to how they've been in recent weeks I don't think they have to be brilliant Um, second half I take a few individuals out there. I thought Army was, was excellent. I think there were some very other good other performances, Iose Perez and the like. But in, in terms of everything the team had to do, I don't think Newcastle had to work for it as necessarily hard as, as they had to when they beat Man United or even when they beat Huddersfield. I mean, Arsenal second half, you can argue that, that Moscow possibly did affect them, but most of that team hadn't played. And I just thought they lost shape. They just looked unorganised, and I think that that's the biggest contrast you can make between where Arsenal are under Arsene Wenger now and where Newcastle are under Rafa Benitez. Have you switched around the two managers? Don't don't say that. No, no, I'm not saying (laughs) this in terms of right. Apologies for anyone things about. I mean, if you if Rafa Benitez had been in the opposition dugout, no Rafa Benitez team would ever be as unorganised as Arsenal looked in that second half. The, The players didn't seem to know what they were doing. There didn't really seem to be any cohesion there, whereas Newcastle, every single player on that eleven knew exactly what they were meant to be doing, and even though I don't think they weren't the best, particularly first 45 minutes, first 30 minutes, I think they lacked the intensity of recent weeks, um, but still the shape, togetherness was there, and you always felt that they were going to at least get a draw from it, and it as soon as they equalised, I thought they were going to win it.
1: Well, as you've mentioned it, we might as well ask the question. A lot of people have put Benitez's name forward for the Arsenal job, should winger go in the summer can you see that happening if Mike Ashley doesn't give him the backing because that obviously seems to be the only thing stopping Benitez from committing his future long term
0: Benitez wants to stay here long term he wants to be at Newcastle United I think it's highly unlikely he'll leave this summer regardless I think that he's got that year left in his contract and I think he will see that out Um, and in the meantime he'll want assurances that he can move the club forward um, and, and then he would look to extend this deal because he'd like to he spoke in the press conference on Friday about how he even mentioned 10 years and being here and creating a dynasty almost um, and that's what he wants to do and I think that there is certainly movement from the club to at least try and tie him down but they're going to have to move a bit further to prove to him the one he admitted in Spanish on Spanish radio station yesterday Rafa that he was flattered by the links to Arsenal and that that's the call for experience and I don't think these are real formative links this is a few pundits or a few Arsenal yeah. fans or even journalists kind of South have just made the observation that I did there that if you'd flip things round where Arsenal could potentially be I don't think he's the sort of manager Arsenal will go for I think they should I don't want them to but if I was an Arsenal fan he's a sort of manager he should be. they should be going for I think he is a world class manager I think you get the maximum out of them but I think they're going to look for someone who's going to play maybe the more expansive football for want of a better term and in inverted commas and um, I, I think Rafa will be here next season, and hopefully, I think he's going to be here for a long time if and when Newcastle give him the assurances and money he needs.
2: See, I think that again, what Chris is saying there, I think it was more of a knee-jerk reaction after the game, wasn't yeah. it? It was like it was still fresh in the mind. You'd seen a Newcastle team that not so long ago were in relegation trouble, who were an organised outfit, everybody knew exactly what they were doing, they were all pulling the same direction, everyone knew their jobs whereas an Arsenal team that just looked disorganised particularly at the back Kennedy had a field day on the left hand side at times calls have it when he come on and it was just a disbanded defence that didn't really know what they were doing I think you mentioned it yesterday when we were talking in the office Chris when they brought off um, Joe, Joe Willock yeah. um, they just looked disorganised and after that and you know one yeah, thing so yeah, one Rafa Benitez has got isn't it that you can, can organise a team he has a, everyone playing in a set way and you know I think there's just more of a reaction to that Looking at that game, looking at the difference between the two sides, and thinking Arsenal have got an abundance of attacking quality. You saw so in the first half, Lacazette and Aubameyang were causing problems, but at the back, as we mentioned on Friday, Andrew in the in the last podcast, that's where you can you can get Arsenal vulnerable, and they probably do need a manager in there who's going to come in and kind of tighten things up there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought Joe Willock actually for large part struggled. I, I think you could say that it was the first Premier League game, but when he came off they tried to change the balance of the side, it was Welbeck coming on, and you thought that, poor oh, the the going for here, but whatever Wenger did, it wasn't, there was no, it didn't seem any real thought process behind it, other than, we'll stick some extra forwards on here, because the whole team dynamic dissolved, even though Willa can't be pretty particularly well, the midfield, they're just about being coping with Diarmu and Shelby by then, and then the last 25 minutes, Newcastle absolutely dominated that area, and Arsenal couldn't get near them, and, and again, they didn't react when Slimani came on for Gale I mean he's a completely different forward and for the first five minutes Arsenal just tri- were treating him as if he was Dry Gale didn't want to compete in the air with him obviously he set up helped set up the second goal and really they just couldn't cope at all and it just shows that there's a lack of versatility down there but what they're trying to do whereas Newcastle whatever Arsenal threw at them other than the first 20 minutes when they looked a little bit lethargic really coped quite well
1: with it got into Slimani just the moment but another excellent game for Kennedy should have been sent off most probably for yeah, quite a, a right nasty hand. challenge um, I think it was in the, in the first half there but again he's shown that he's got much more than just this attacking ability because he's tracking back every time he's he's diving and I made the comparison to Hatton Ben Arthur that going forward he's just like Hatton Ben Arthur he gets the, the, the fans off their seats he can run at defences he hasn't got that fear that some players might have but going back he's got something that you know, had it been off, I never had, and that was this defensive capability.
0: Yeah, just on that that challenge, I don't think it was a, an intentional challenge, but I still think it was it was probably a red card. Some Castle fans may disagree, but I think it was reckless, and you could you could easily have seen red. And I think it was fortunate that Arsenal scored as quickly as it afterwards, in the sense that then it was almost forgotten about as an instant. Some of the journalists in the press box hadn't even seen it. I spoke to some of them; they didn't even know at the end of the game that it had happened because it was forgotten about instantly. Because Lacazette scored thirty seconds later. But in terms of Kennedy himself, he is that person who gets people off the seats. I liked Rafa's comparison, well, not comparison, description of him before the game where he was saying that he is that player who you give him the ball and he doesn't seem to have that fear and you watch him, he will take the ball anywhere on the pitch and he believes in his ability to beat a man. He's, he's more powerful than a lot of wingers, that's what sets him apart from a lot of wingers. You get quite a few tricky and quick wingers but very few with the power and physicality he has he can play anywhere down that left side or even on the right as an attacking uh, force and yes, he does work incredibly hard defensively and I think Newcastle are going to have some serious competition for his signature this summer but he's certainly someone who Rafa Benitez would like to have because you can see there's still a lot of potential
1: there. I mean, Benitez said on Friday that he hopes to have the, an advantage have any yes. yeah. the side of any teams that want to sign him. He's, he's, yeah, he's settled, he's settled, He's got some friends you can see on Instagram, you know, talking in Spanish-Portuguese He's got a good mix. Do you think that will help come the summer? Obviously, Benitez will need to be back first to make that a possibility reality,
2: but do you think the castle will have some sort of advantage? You'd hope so. I think Benitez thinks that way. He said explicitly, though, he hasn't asked him directly about what his plans are after this season. It's all been about what the next game is, how he can improve his personal performance, but... Benitez seems to think that like he's happy in Newcastle, saying that he gets on with the Spanish lads because the, the languages aren't too dissimilar. Um, and just in terms of what he brings to the team as well, Bernier has, Bernier has kept saying about how he thinks about things differently. He just He's just got that maybe that step ahead in terms mm-hmm. of quality that the other didn't necessarily have at the club, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but he recognises that Kennedy's just brought that different dimension Gives them extra extra time in attacking first because you'll think about things differently. You'll take a different touch to what another player would take. And it's just little details like that, that that Benitez thinks he's made the real difference in. But yeah, you'd hope that, that his time at Newcastle has given him an advantage. Certainly, his first real experience in English football, regular football at Premier League level, didn't get a chance at Watford, hadn't had a chance at Chelsea. So you'd like to think that. He would kind of repay newcastle for putting that faith in him where he's become kind of come, he has become the lead man hasn't he in terms of an attacking sense um and he been, looks happy as well he does
0: yeah he looks because i before he came i've read i'd heard a lot i'd spoken to a lot of people and a lot of character references and i know benitez had gone to speak to himself and there was always this you know, people weren't sure about obviously what happened pre-season yeah. and and there's been there's been a few other off-field issues and he is i think he is a bit of a temperamental character but he just looks, he looks happy, he looks settled. He, he looks like he's enjoying being loved. And some players like that, and having been at Chelsea and been on the periphery for so long, I think he is thriving at the moment. I'm not saying that's necessarily going to convince him to stay long-term, but he does look like someone who really has enjoyed his time at the castle so far.
2: I think, obviously, it's, it's only natural when someone's playing as well as Kennedy is and standing out as well as Kennedy is that there's going to be a rest. But I know I think Benitez said on Fridays like you can't necessarily... Trust that, that, that in terms of where these stories are coming from, you know that the transfer window's coming up, Kendi is going to be a player in demand, His future Chelsea isn't necessarily certain, it could be agent pushing things out, we, we we all know how these things work, there's going to be reports about a player like Kendi who's going to try to interest, you'd hope that Newcastle is going to be the, maybe the team with the most concrete interest, as Chris said before, the sticking point is probably going to be the price now, because before he joined Newcastle, Yes, he was always a player who we knew had bundles of talent, but hadn't quite maybe fulfilled that potential and proven himself in the Premier League. He's done that now, so his value is going to go up tenfold, isn't it? So you'd hope. I, I think that he seems happy. He said in the Brazilian press to me that he wouldn't mind staying at mm. Newcastle after this season. So you'd hope that that, in terms of that, in, in terms of that, that will give him an advantage. You just don't know these things, though. When a team like Bayern Munich or a PSG or even back here the same Spurs and Liverpool are interested in them lack of turn heads can't it he? but you'd hope he stays grounded and sensible and knows that he'll be the main man at Newcastle and something special Bruno. Fingers
1: crossed I and mean, one other thing I loved on Sunday was Jacob Murphy comes on for what five six minutes but straight in doing the job Rafa's told him to do you know i say so he was running on that hand for minutes but it's just the, the kind of atmosphere within the squad I think it's kind of shown with the way that these players are coming off the bench even if they're not playing every player wants to play they're not playing regularly but they're still doing exactly what Benitez asks them to do with 100% commitment.
0: Yeah, that that comes down to a couple of factors. One is that they know that if they don't do what Rafa Benitez wants them to do, they simply won't play. It's not a case of Rafa Benitez uh, being autocratic necessarily about it. He's just making it clear that he that's what he expects from his players and that's what he wants from all of them. If you're going to have a chance to get into a team who will have won four games in a row by the end of that Saturday's match to Jacob Murphy, you're going to have to go on there and perform but also with someone like Jacob Murphy, Rafa has been honest with him from the start and has made it clear to him that this year was always going to be more of a season where he was going to be in and out of the team, wasn't necessarily going to play every week. It was a, de- a developmental stage. From Some managers don't do that. Some managers would have said to, to Jacob Murphy when he moved to St James's Park last year that you, you will be my main man in the Premier League and then have done the same as Rafa's done. Rafa's honest with players. He makes it clear what he expects when he tells them to keep working. And next year is going to be a big year for Jacob Murphy and I think he realises that and he wants to to get as much as he can out of this season and then come back ready in pre-season and, and, and hopefully push for a real first team place because from what we've seen of him this year there's certainly glimpses of talent there, it's just about producing it regularly.
1: But again he looks, he looks happy
0: He does look happy and he, he's developing as well in terms of, and I don't just mean in terms of what he offers, attacking wise, the main thing for him all year has always been understanding tactically and what he needs to do in disciplinary sense in the Premier League in that wide position and what Rafa Munitas expects him as wingers and having Matt Ritchie to have learned from all season, Christian Atsu and now having Kennedy there is a slightly different sort of winger, just gonna raise everyone's level and he seems to to be relishing the challenge, happy with having
1: to really fight for that place and hopefully we will see the best of next year. Fingers crossed On Simister Islam Slamani comes off the bench did what he did against uh, Huddersfield, caused an absolute nuisance. The defence didn't know how to handle him. And I just love the way that the Arsenal defence hesitated for what, all of three, four seconds, and Slamani, what a powerful header. I mean, he, he leapt, and I mean, the strength in that header, shown was, was quite something, great vision as well to spot Perez making the run.
2: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, he, he only made a, a small cameo appearance again on Sunday, but his impact to be lauded by like but you did a piece didn't you Chris? You know how you are impressed by him, but in terms of the pundits as well, you might seeing how impressed he had been with him with a few radio stations, seeing how much of an impact he made. Um, it's good to say, isn't it, we, we haven't seen some through injuries, he's still got a lot to prove. You'd like to hope that he might you notch know, his way into the starting lineup now because he did make a, a positive impact on Sunday. Um and he just offers something different to Dwight Gill doesn't he? Dwight Dwight to be fair, Dwight Gill I thought he played quite well again at the weekend, didn't, obviously didn't get that goal which is kind of eluding him at the minute but uh, I think Slimani just looked a threat, he's physical, um, got about the defenders, they didn't quite know how to handle them at times and I think he's going to, even though he's only got five games now left to prove what he can do, I think he's going to be a handful, he's going to be a useful asset in Newcastle between now and the end of the season. I think what
0: Sean said there is pivotal about offering something different because in January ideally what Benitez wanted was someone who was going to come in and score a lot of goals. Evidently, that didn't happen because they they didn't get top target, who was Jorgensen. They didn't get several other targets, and eventually had to settle for someone who they knew was injured. They knew they're taking a gamble on that regard. But if if they weren't going necessarily guarantee goals, but I think if Sabani played regularly, I think you would score goals. But you, it, something different to what they already had. They had Dwight Gale as the as the player who's going to run in behind the one who his link up play is really improving. But isn't obviously a physical presence up front. They've got Hossolu, who offers something slightly different. He's a very good link man, doesn't have much pace, but if Benitez wants a striker to carry out specific instructions, he's the man to do it. He wanted that alternative off the bench. In theory, Mitrovic should have been and for whatever reason, wasn't for Newcastle. Physical, you can change the way that you play. And Newcastle, as as comfortable as I thought they looked in the second half against Arsenal, up until Samani came on, didn't really look like scoring in that second half, neither team looked like scoring and Slimani came on and made a difference because he got at the Arsenal defence, he had a go at them in the air and they didn't know what to do and it's having that variety, having that plan B, that plan C, it's what Benitez wanted, it's what he'll want to gain this summer, whether that be Slimani or someone else and it's about having these various options because you come up against so many different sides in the Premier League that you have to have a bit of variety to the attack. I
2: think, sorry, I think he had a lot more qual a lot more quality on the ball as well, didn't he? He kept coming out at wide areas, particularly on the left hand side and it's not necessarily something you see from Dwight Galen particularly hostile who do you but he was comfortable on the ball, he was getting defenders, dragging defenders out wide and it allowed the likes of Perez and the midfielders to push on and kind of ad- adapt those little mm. spaces yeah. that he was creating on the left hand side, didn't it? And as Chris says there, it's just a different option for Medias and, you know, it, it keeps things fresh and it keeps the opposition thinking. You mentioned how it's
1: a different option. Does that mean John Joe Shelby has to maybe change the way he plays? Because we all know that basically planning is Shelby ball the top to Gale as he makes the run. Now, with them two being different kind of players, uh, Gale and Slimani, does that mean a bit of a change in tactic for, for John Joe Shelby? Yes,
0: and no. I think Shelby is a clever enough footballer to no- know. The strength of the strikers that he's working with and, and training every day, he knows what Slimani can do so he knows that it's going to be a slightly different option to Gale, but as Sean was saying, Slimani did come out wide quite a bit and so rather than just hit the the more the straighter balls forward, he can play those more diagonals and bring fans out wide, but also from set pieces and, and, and whatnot if Shelby's delivering the ball or if Shelby is, is moves out wider, slightly deeper and curls balls in the box, he knows Slimani can get there and attack them, so Yes, changes his game to a certain extent, but I think that the way Shelby plays is it, 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 his first thought is often to put the ball in behind, but he, he's a cleverer footballer than that, he knows what, how to pick a pass, and I think he's quite adept at being able to adapt for things like that.
1: I feel like the answer to this question is going to be rather simple, maybe it's going to be two uh, answers to, to this single question, but what does Islam Sumani need to do to convince Rafa Benitez that he is the man to lead Newcastle next year?
2: Sean? Score goals primarily. So that <laughs> yeah. might be the answer. Let's get that one out of the way straight away. But yeah, I think, you know, he, he, he possibly might start on Monday. He, he's only, that's probably going to be the only change the, like, bearing it as long as the rest of the 11 are started on um, Sunday. come through fitness this week in terms of being ready for the game. But uh, no, if Samani gets a run of five games, say if he scores three or four goals, it's a decent enough impact in that time, isn't it? We've got... He's made two substitute appearances, but he's got fans excited, hasn't he? He's got people talking about him, and yeah, obviously he had a lot of the, an injury layoff before that, and that's going to work against him. I think we've said before on the podcast that he needs to do something extraordinary. Um, but that, the impact he's had in the last two games will weigh heavily on the mind of fans. Weigh on heavy mind of Benitez and the fact that he has come on. He's got he's got people excited. He's he's changed the way Newcastle play in a positive sense. If you can add goals to that in the final run of the season, it may well spark a move. But on the flip side of that, we've all spoken about it before. Age works against him. The fact that Leicester paid a club record fee, and I want to recruit a lot of that, and is going to work against in terms of exploring other targets who may potentially be at the same price or slightly lower, who've got a lot more potential, who are slightly younger. Um, but scoring goals is all he can do, whether that um, wins him and move to Newcastle, wins him and move elsewhere, or getting back to the Leicester picture, I suppose that's all he can do to kind of you know put himself in the shop window
1: Chris if Benitez is handed some money in the summer um, will he go after Slomani? if Slemoni proves himself for the next five games I think one thing is essential
0: is he needs to stay fit for those five yeah, games definitely. as well he needs to show that he can stay fit for at least a, a reasonable length of time as um, Sean says goals will be crucial but I think it's it's also about positively affecting games Benitez realised, because it was quite an early change for Beniaz, particularly striker-wise, at home. He doesn't do that that often when he brought on Slamani with 27 minutes to go. He realised that he needed to, to affect the game in a positive sense, and that's exactly what Slamani did. So if, if he doesn't start games or if he does start games, he needs to show that he can have that impact again from the start or from the bench. And then he'll give himself a bit of an opportunity. If Beniaz is given money, I think he will look elsewhere first. Slamony wasn't his first choice and unless he's really changed his mind in training, um, and, and in the next few games, I think he probably will look elsewhere first. But Slamani will give himself an opportunity of being someone in and around the thoughts of Benitez anyway, because it's rare that you get all your first choices and as we know in the castle, I mean striker wise haven't signed the first choice in a long, long time. So well Dwight, Dwight Gale aside, so it, it'll be crucial for him that he at least puts himself in that shop window for or someone else by scoring a few goals because his career come January had hit a bit of a, a brick wall and he, and he needs to grasp this chance now if he gets it
1: and Just briefly before we get on to so looking at the players who've been key in this run in interesting to see how Joss Liu came off the bench and Benitez finished the game with Joss Liu and Slomani up top together two tall big strikers not I number
0: 10, yeah, I wasn't, I'm not I'm not sure I mean, that's why way he played slightly deeper for most of the time own, which was unusual I can't, I can't see that being something long term but again I think that was Newcastle identifying a weaknesses in Arsenal for the first goal it was a, it clearly a plan to put the ball in behind from Lejeune and Shelby because Newcastle had done it four or five times before the goal and Gale had got in a couple of times one of which he took a pretty bad touch when he probably should have been in on goal and possibly scored himself then Castle clearly realised Benitez and his coaches have clearly realised you bring on a bit of height and physicality, you'll unsettle Arsenal. Somani came on, did that, and then he brought on Hosloo, probably just to reinforce the fact he knew Arsenal couldn't deal with them. So I don't see it being something we're gonna see regularly. But yeah, it was a again it's another option though that if you need that height and physicality, you can have the two of them up there be there's a number ten and a centre forward or two strikers themselves.
1: Now just a quick message from our sponsors. Are you looking for a brand new or used Mini or BMW? Then look no further than Lloyd Newcastle. They have an impressive range of all the latest Mini and BMW models, complete with the latest tech to keep you connected, entertained and safe on the roads. Such as the Mini Countryman, Mini's most spacious model, with optional all-four four-wheel drive technology or BMW X-Drive, an intelligent all-wheel drive system offering a new dimension to drive and enjoyment. With a whole range of optional features available, including head-up display, Mini connected, sat-nav, headed seats, parking sensors, stereo upgrades and more, you can really make your Mini or BMW your own. Or if you're looking for a used car to be proud of, they have over 600 approved used vehicles across the Lloyd Group, available with competitive finance packages. For the latest offers and to see their used car stock, visit www.lloydmotorgroup.com. or why not just pop in? You can find them off Back Road just up from St. James's Park. Lloyd Newcastle, the way it should be. On right, onto this brilliant road which has been Unbelievable when you think about the games that Newcastle have lost since the turn of the year um, against uh, against City, you know good good side, but now they've been quite good. Uh, and looking at Benitez's record, it's quite an impressive start. This, if my calculations are correct, he's played fifty-eight games uh, in the last you know, last seven games. So he's played fifty-eight. That's with Liverpool, Chelsea, and uh, Newcastle. The first time he was around, obviously the two this time he's won 37, he's only lost 7, so it's no surprise really that his team are finishing strongly, that this team is finishing strongly. Something, when Benitez first came to England
0: with Liverpool and he became known as the man who rotates a lot, part of his philosophy is that he plans for across the whole of a season, not just a small portion of it, so when he was at Valencia there's a famous case of Uh, one of his it was a game where Valencia could potentially win the league but three weeks in advance of that they decided they were going to rest the main no I think it was the number 10 who was the main player and Benitez wouldn't go against that even though it was a game where they could potentially have gone and won the league because he decided that for the condition of that player that's exactly what they had to do and historically throughout Benitez's uh, career his team has got better in the last 10-15 10-15 games of the season they've progressively improved and the two times he won the title of Valencia they went in a massive really good run the second half of the season just as he did at Liverpool when they just picked up the title with Man United um, and so it, it's no coincidence he sets up his team so that they are going to peak at the right time the opposite's almost said of Guardiola teams whereby he front loads and then <coughs> last six games of the season usually when they've won the league to be fair but last six, ten games of the season particularly in the Champions League they tend to almost lose a bit of steam. Benitez has conditioned his players and made sure throughout the course of the season that, that they are going to be ready for the prime time. And he always said they were going to get better come the second half of the season. This year was different to previous years with their clubs because he had inexperienced players at Premier League level. And as they've gained more experience, they have got better. And He just knows how, when the crunch time arrives, how to get results. And it's bearing out once
1: again. Superb stuff. Now on to the players who... Who kind of been key in this run-in, Sean. We, we could mention the whole, the whole 11, the whole yeah, 13, 14, who have been involved a lot. But we'll start with he um, Perez. I mean, your thoughts on him, obviously scoring goals now. He's a player who has split opinion ever since joining Reading. I think I mean, he has described more as a manager's player rather than a yeah. fan favourite. But the last few weeks, he's shown exactly what he can
2: do. I think what you said there is absolutely bang on. He, he does a lot of the hard yards at the fans don't necessarily tend to appreciate It's not, it wasn't anything, anything particularly spectacular but the work he was putting in was benefiting the team and recently obviously he's scored in the last three games now he's popping up really important goals and he's done that throughout his time at the club really and the the goal on Sunday was absolutely brilliant to, to, to beat checked at his front post he possibly should have done better but to finish it from the angle he hit the ball and where he ended up after he hit the ball he was so far past that front post it was unbelievable and to find that gap was absolutely superb, and it just screamed of a player who's man in form and full of confidence at the moment. And we spoke on Friday, didn't we, about the, the fact that Newcastle's players have, 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 you know, have risen to the occasion in terms of the three signings coming in and players really rising to the competition. Perez hasn't necessarily had that competition, but you know, you'd be well aware of the reports coming through that there's going to be a new number ten coming in this summer. He wants to put his case forward that he should still be the main man and. You know, he's scoring goals, creating goals, and you know, he's, it's hard to argue with his recent form.
0: Yeah, I, I really like Perez. I, there was a period about 18 months, two years ago, where I was, i come to a point where I wasn't really sure what he was. I didn't know where he was meant to be playing, what he was meant to be doing. Being played out on the left and didn't really suit him. A couple of managers towards the end of Pardew and Carver's reigns, and then also through McLaren's, they didn't really seem to know how to get the best out of him it's all glimpses of him but it was just fleeting starts and Benitez has given him a defined role and it's interesting to hear him talk about that defined role because there's some coaches are going to go up tomorrow where he speaks about how if you look at the PR numbers goals and assists a lot of fans will go oh well number 10 he hasn't, he hasn't really delivered there but Benitez is more impressed by what Perez does off the ball than what he does on the ball and it's that crucial role that he has in the team that, that Benitez values so highly and he's he said regularly this season that Benitez has praised him for things that fans probably haven't noticed or haven't seen—the way he challenges, the way he runs down, the amount of work he gets through. And there's no coincidence that he's been in the team for all the, the important six pointers in of a very comfortable, better team all season, which Newcastle have inevitably won the majority of, and in recent weeks has thrived, given a bit more of a free roll. I think that, that now that the team's play a bit more confidence, Perez has been let off the leash a little bit and he is ghosting the area and, and impressing him I really like him I think he's someone who going forward you would certainly want him as your squad I think certainly 12 to 14 Premier League teams would want him somewhere in and around their squad because he's versatile and offers something a little bit different not many players would have scored the goal he scored at Leicester not many players would have finished it how he did as Sean said against Arsenal so I think he, he deserves immense credit and I, I'm really pleased to see him wrapping the headlines in recent weeks because I think he has been very important this year
1: uh, Ian Lawrence on Twitter asks has the change from uh, Perez and Joslew to Perez and Gale been a factor in why Newcastle now look much more threatening up top?
0: Yeah, to a certain extent. Um, I think now that Gale's improved a bit more of an all-round game, he offers more of a running behind option than Joslew does. Um, when Newcastle was struggling Joslew was important in there because he would sort of keep them in games and link them up but I think as, much, as little as Gale looks like scoring, I think the longer the season goes on, strangely, the, the less Gale looks like scoring. But the more effective he's becoming all around. And he's, he's creating those gaps for which Perez can run into. And he's getting on the end of the balls that John Joe Shelby is, is full of confidence and able to play. So yeah, I think that it has been fairly important, that change. But I think that that's a lot of, to do with... Gale improving his own game as well rather than if it had been Gale of the first six weeks of the season playing, I'm not sure that Newcastle would have necessarily been as effective as they have been in the last six weeks.
1: On to another player then, Sean go with Kennedy, obviously arriving uh, from Chelsea in January when he has wanted him in the summer, didn't manage to, to get him, he's come in like we've mentioned just moments ago he gets player, he
2: gets their fans off their seats yeah. he's been crucial. Oh, 100% and you know, we mentioned earlier about the difference he's made and what Benitez thinks he brings to the team but he's given the fans a lift he's given the players a lift in terms of, of what he can do in the ball he, as you said he compares the likes of Ben Arthur going back but the likes of David Ginola. the fans have always wanted a player who excites them lift them off their seats and Kennedy's done just that And you know, two goals and two assists in such a short space of time and the impact he's made on the rest of the team you can't argue with it and you know, Benitez spoke on Friday about how we desperately wanted him to serve but Chelsea wanted to keep him for a bit of cover but they also really rated him and really thought he could he could go on and do something for them this season. It didn't necessarily happen and obviously you've got to take him into account that he's, he's competing against the likes of Eden Hazard who's one player of the year before and the likes of Pedro who are seasoned internationals, William, um, but in terms of what he's done at Newcastle he can everybody a lift, score some important goals and he's, he's probably been in terms of Pure quality Newcastle's best player in the second half of the season
1: it sounds a bit daft this but I mean he's
2: still quite young to come all yeah. the way from
1: London to move to Newcastle and yes you've got all the riches in the world as a footballer but that's a daunting task and what you know is that the next six months are probably the most crucial so far of his career because this is the chance to prove to whether it will be Conte in charge or whether it will be a new man coming in that he has a future at Chelsea or he has to persuade Benitez that he's good enough for Newcastle you put all that into one kind of pot for, for, for a young man like Kennedy to handle it's, it's quite a big task
0: Yeah I liked what Ian Wright said the other week about Kennedy and saying it would have been so easy for him to sit on his hands and, and wait at Chelsea and he's got everything there at a big club but he wanted to play football he wanted to, to go out and prove himself and you can see he's a naturally confident lad but at the same time I think that, that speaking to Benitez before he came up here he realised the environment he was going to be co- coming into he was going to be given a key role in the team and you can see that, that he, unlike most of the players, as hard working as Kennedy is, he's let off the leash a little bit more than the other players, I think he's got more of a free role in a lot of it because he can create so much havoc when he, wants to, when he wants to run at someone, when he's given that space to do it. So Benitez realises that and that's a, Benitez likes structure but he also acknowledges that when you have a player who can be a match winner, if you give him that little bit extra freedom, it, it pays off he would do. He did the same. Not saying Kennedy's the same as Hazard, but he did the same as Hazard at Chelsea. It's, it's that sort of player who can make a difference, and Kennedy is that for Newcastle. And um, I think that the first game that he played, he, he impressed against Burnley. He really came to his own, and, and, and I think from that point on, he just felt at home, and uh, he really fit in well there on the left. And uh, the only the only time I really thought he, he didn't look. I don't think he looked out of his depth he just didn't look as, as dangerous was away at Liverpool and that was because he, he was asked to do a disciplined role which he carried out he just didn't look overly comfortable doing it apart from that I think he's he's been excellent and it creates havoc particularly in those first 15 minutes the second half against Leicester and a, a completely different dimension and I'm not surprised that someone like Bayern Munich looking for him because there Robin and Ribby are getting towards the back end of their careers they want extra wide options and He's the sort of player I was then, would be looking at. I hope they don't. And I hope Newcastle will get him, but he. I think he does have that. He's the sort of age where he can still improve and can get a lot better.
2: I think goes to show as well the amount of research and preparation where the Rafa Benitez has put in with new signings isn't just like a like a knee jerk decision. Mm-hmm. He really put in a lot of time and spoke to a lot of people about oh, Kendy He even said that he even spoke to people from Fluminense, who he came from in Brazil, and mm-hmm. we know he's got a lot of contacts at Chelsea and he spoke to these players to these people sorry and if you look at Kennedy he was, he was mainly used at Chelsea as a left wing back and you know people knew he had talent but we didn't necessarily know he had the, the match winning ability he has on that left hand side that he's displayed at Newcastle but Benitez felt confident enough to, to go out there and you know and, and to, to put him in that role ahead of the likes of Atsu and Murphy who have been here all season who haven't really done anything too bad to, to lose their place but Kennedy come in, a young man who had very little Premier League experience, has become the main man. and It, it just took to show that it, in terms of Chelsea, he didn't really have a place ahead of the likes of the ma- names I mentioned before, Hazard, William, Pedro and Conte use him as a left wing back. But when you speak to people at Chelsea and speak to people around the game, they, they always say that Kennedy just isn't a left wing back. and Unfortunately, no. that's just the position he, he held in that squad. and it was frustrating I imagine for him it was definitely frustrating for Newcastle that they couldn't get him in at the start of the season um, but I suppose it's good for all parties now that he's getting to show how good he really is in that position where he, he feels fit, he feels better and where he favours Definitely and on to the Army had we said that
1: this in October uh, Moody Army's been crucial to Newcastle United running Newcastle United are now safe largely thanks to brilliant performances by Moodyar who has been some kind of an enforcer in that midfield he probably would have got laughed um, laughed off the stage so to speak
0: yeah he's someone who for a large part I think Newcastle fans didn't really know what he was, his role in the team was I think that that worked against him last year Benitez saw him as a second striker number 10 type in the, in the championship because he'd scored goals for Hull at that level he has power he has the ability to do that in the Premier League in a less physical league than the Championship, Benitez said from the very start last summer when he laid out his squad and he worked out he was going to have four midfielders, Mordi Army was one of them. While he'd been one of the number 10s the year before, he was going to be one of the midfielders. And Early in the season, he didn't really have too much form. Uh, Marino was ahead of him, Shelby was ahead of him, Hayden was even ahead of him, his fourth choice in that midfielder. And Whenever he played, um, he would get criticism from Newcastle fans. You could always see the endeavour was there, but his touch wasn't was one quite a bit of confidence. definitely
1: potential in the pre-season When if you watched it, you could see there was once or twice he was playing in that deeper role, and it looked like it was working, mm. but he just never seemed to click.
0: No, I think that was partly, I think, a lack of confidence, and also having not played that role the whole of the previous year or well, the majority of the previous year, and not necessarily getting a run of games. He always maintained when he spoke to him, about "If I have a run of games, I'll play well," and the goal away at West Ham I think was huge for him and that was when he was actually playing well Henri Savier in the middle for the only time of the season, which was strange enough. But um he he scored that goal and it really energized him and that was the start of the run Newcastle had been on. It was after that long nine game winless streak and since then they've been excellent. He just he just is doing the simple things well. He's covering so much ground. He the amount of tackles and interceptions he puts in and and, and the balls that he wins and the physicality he has in the middle. And he's working as the perfect foil for John Joe Shelby. And I think that what's been crucial about those two as well is that in a Newcastle squad, which lacks a lot of Premier League experience, those are two players who have more than most. And since the turn of the year, since Newcastle have really needed to reinforce, it's been no surprise to see the two of them regularly in the team, because they know what it takes to win in the top flight. they're, it's a strange combination. I don't think at the start of the season I would have told you that it would have worked, but at the moment they complement each other perfectly.
2: Arguably the Premier League's two in, the most informed centre midfield yeah. I would suggest as well. A few people drew up
1: on Twitter that his format changed after Jamal Lissell's had a less than friendly word
0: with him. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I don't think that it is necessarily too much of a joke. I think that that probably has contributed. Um, I, I don't think Diarme is the sort of person when you speak to him, he's quite a humble bloke. He, he he seems to be genuine, and I think being accused of being lazy by his captain, even if it was just to get a reaction from, him, won't have sat well with him, and he will want, have wanted to prove a point. And it has, whether that directly or indirectly, eventually it has uh, brought performances, a string of performances out from him, I and mean, there seems to be a genuine camaraderie between him and Lascelles now where that's been put behind them and whether Lascelles did it deliberately or whether it was just a heat of the moment anger out on the pitch, it's got the desired effect eventually and I think that as much as people are joking, I do genuinely think that that has played a decent role in, in what's happened.
1: Would it be a fair comparison, Sean, to him to Chick Tiori and Tiori's first few seasons in Newcastle, that little piranha snapping at the feet of the opposition midfield, not giving them a, a chance to turn, to run, to create things?
2: yeah possibly yeah I think he's a bit more dynamic than Tioti was in terms of going forward a lot more explosive definitely but yeah in terms of acting for a follow his centre midfield partners Chris Selleau Shelby the season Newcastle finished fifth when it was Tioti and Kabay it was pretty much the same kind of thing wasn't it allowing Kabay to have that freedom to go forward and create things the way Shelby does and I wouldn't say, it, I would say that's quite a fair comparison to be fair but I think the Army has a bit more about him going forward than T O A did on to
1: Florian Lejeune I'm a big fan of Florian Lejeune as guys well no we've got plenty of time to 40. discuss yes. well I'm not going to be talking on for too long but <laughs> just for
0: any part of this uh, well. just me and Sean before we came in he had a sweepstake as to how long it would take Andrew Musgrove to, to mention his his favourite player <laughs> neither of us got close Sean said eight minutes. I said 12 and it was actually 40 saving say. the best to last but I mean
1: <laughs> he's been excellent in my opinion. Oh, um, yes. I think LaSalle's game has improved because of Lejeune and I think Lejeune's game has improved because of LaSalle's but he just looks calm, collective. I mean, I've mean, i written enough pieces about it, said it enough times on here but them two together they look, they look brilliant. We'll talk about both of them together not just single yeah, one if, them out, but. Well,
0: I think it's like it's like Diarmé and, and Chelvy. You can't really talk about one without the other at the moment because I think they come as a pair and it, it, it's no coincidence that Newcastle's best forms come when those combinations already work, and Gale and Perez the top. Then you've got in the middle, Diarmé and Shelby, and then at the back, uh, Lascelles and, and Lejeune. Lascelles is the is the organizer on Saturday. You could see he was in the, the the there's a clip in the last five minutes where a few of the other players are absolutely shattered and off their feet, and and Lascelles goes around and he cajoles them and he says one last effort, lads, one last effort. And that that's the sort of leadership Newcastle need, and he brings that from the back. He's Benitez is communicator on the pitch, he regularly converses with Benitez on the touchline and then passes on instructions and then alongside him he has uh, Lejeune who really is the the eyes at the back in terms of thinking where can Newcastle, where can I positively affect the game from the back, so he gets the ball, he looks to spray the passes along, he was the one along with Shelby, he was playing the long balls in early, Uh, he links in with Shelby very well, he links with Kennedy very well out on the left. Links with Dubravka very well, and they're just they're again just two players who complement each other very nicely at the moment, and and really are helping to push one another on. And um, what I what I like about Lejeune is that I think in the first few games of the season, he maybe tried to overplay a few times because he knows how good he is on the ball, but he's done the simple things very well in the last few weeks. Yes, he is the man who is the the link between defence and and the attack, but he doesn't necessarily take too many chances it's usually a ball which he believes he can play rather than one where he thinks there's a 30, 30% chance this might go wrong it tends to be 80% higher before he will play that pass and I, th- I think he it got better as the season's gone on as, as we always thought he would once he adapts to the Premier League
1: Sticking with the defence Sean Paul Dummett, obviously you've returned after a long layoff from injury in the, in the Spurs game to start of the season he's come back and the Castle looked a lot more balanced He's been open and he said, look, I'm just a, kind of an old school defender. I'm not going to be flying forward like Yedlin on the other the other side. Still room to improve, but he has looked very, very good since his return.
2: Definitely, and I think fans are starting to accept that that is Paul Dummer's strengths. He, he He's quite open about it. Like he's not the greatest with the ball at his feet, but in terms of defensively and winning the challenges, he's good in the air. Um, I can't remember the top of my head this season uh, when I get the better of him to be honest. I think he's been he's been fantastic. Um arguably Man City or Liverpool wouldn't have lost. But in terms of like the teams around them, um you giving us a little smirk there Andrew. But uh, <laughs> no I, th- I think I think you know, um Man United at home particularly he was fantastic. Um we, we keep I, I keep making this point when he played Brighton last season, knockout was in fantastic form. Terry Championship Defence of the Part, he was fantastic that day. Rafa Benitez trust him um, I th- I'm, I'm pretty sure in the, if you go back through our chronicle ratings he's top if not near the top in terms of like the average rating since he's come back into the team and that just shows the impact he has on, on the squad and we know that keen to bring him into my left back, it be interesting to see whether that affects him out of game time and the trust he's put in the dummy over his last two seasons next season but you can't fault the impact he's had since he's come back in on the side, as you said a lot more balance uh, they look stronger defensively, and the results have followed since he's come back into the side. Don't
1: get us wrong; I think he's improved drastically as a defender. But what I would love to see is just a bit more confidence on the ball, because there was two or three times against Arsenal on Sunday where he got the ball, the defenders were running towards it. He looked a bit panicked, and he, I think he passed it to Shelby within four yards. Shelby then lost it. Same again to Lejeune or to Lacels, I think it was, and the United saved the day. Just a bit more confidence, isn't he, maybe. I
0: know where you come from, but. At the same time, what we've said about LaSalle's is, and what, what we criticise Teotie for, when he, is when he, he tried to be something that he wasn't. And if he, isn't, if he isn't confident enough on the ball, rather than try to take on an Arsenal player and lose the ball, I'd rather he gave it to uh, the likes of Lejeune or Lacelle, uh, Shelby, who are more confident in possession. That's what the two of them are there for. Or give it back to De who who can do the same as well. And Dummett knows his limitations, and there's some footballers who aren't aware of what the limitations are and try to be better than they are. And maybe Dumit knows his limitations far too well and he is almost over with them, but I think I'd rather have that and I think Rafa Benitez would rather have that than the other way around than someone who tries too many things because we've seen with Lascelles in recent weeks when he has tried to be a bit more expansive on the ball and giving it away. That's when he does struggle a little bit, when he just keeps it basic, when he makes sure defensively he's going to be sound he's going to let Lejeune control that. That's when he's at his best as well in it. If you've got someone on the other side like Yedlin who is a bit more attacking, again it's a bit of a foil, Particularly if you've got Candy ahead of you too.
1: Uh, Martin Dubravka, I've seen you know that low signing. When you're sitting in the press box and you hear him talk and you can hear him shouting, ordering around the defence or around his players, it's brilliant. Even you know the dying of a game, he's still saying, "Get in the position," you know, and that must be so assuring for the likes of Lascelles and and uh, Lejeune to have a, a goalkeeper like him. Yeah, well, the fact in Europe seeing James James's Park
0: is one thing, but it was fascinating when I we went in Spain and you, because it was a, it was a small ground, there was only a thousand in, and the majority of them were on the other side. We could hear just about everything the players were saying to each other, and Dupařka was constantly the one you could hear all the time. He was talking, ordering his defence. This gap on the there's a gap at right back. Cover in here. I'm here. If you if you need a pass, uh, cover to the left. I'll give you it there. And it's just. It's that communication which possibly the other two goalkeepers have lacked, as good a shotstop as they are. And also the extra dimension he's brought in terms of that he is so comfortable on the ball and Newcastle can start attacks in a way that they couldn't before. And I think that that's helped get them a lot of points in the last few weeks because, particularly early on against Man United and, and the likes, no team really expected that. Man United came to St James's Park and Newcastle played in a completely different way to how they've been able to play before because they had that sweeper keeper. Uh, in inverted commas and he, he's, he's done very well there and I, I've i been really impressed with him Saturday was the first time he conceded at St James's Park wasn't really anything he could do about the goal um, had one slightly nervy moment at the end when he, he possibly you could argue maybe fouled Lacazette when he was trying to get the ball and, and then dropped it but apart from that he's been excellent and if he continues like this then I don't see any reason why Newcastle wouldn't sign him up in the summer because it looks a bargain
1: and it's, as an ex- Goalkeeper of no, not too high of a standard, Sean. And you must be impressed with
2: him. That's a little drilling scroll. I mean higher than any of us
1: have ever played that uh, is what I meant. I meant to say <laughs> highest positive. Seriously, one of the best goalkeepers I've seen play on Five Side. Yeah? Come Sean. But yeah, not as good as <laughs> Not as South good South as South you you've Um
2: you've been impressed? <laughs> yeah, very impressed, you know. Um I think that the main thing that he's brought though is just is the way he relieves pressure on his defence. Any time a ball comes into the box, yeah. you know he's going to come for it and you're very confident he's going to claim it. And That's been transmitted ever since his debut at Man United. He had nothing to do in the first half for an hour. You excuse a lot of people being daunted by the situation, playing the most successful team in the Premier League era, Jose Mourinho side to Newcastle. It was a massive crowd. It was such an important game, Newcastle, in the relegation zone. had nothing to do with 30 minutes and a cross coming. You were thinking, oh, and he come out and he claimed it, and it was so confident. It was a massive roar from the crowd, as if Newcastle had scored a goal. To be honest, it was so good to see. Um, you know, he, he just brings that calmness, which transmits to the defence, which was just lacking under Carl Darlow and Rob Elliott. And it's no longer a discussion anymore. is it, we, throughout Benitez's tenure, who his number one goalkeeper is, particularly from the Championship season onwards, it's always been a discussion. Matt Sell's come in, look shaky. Um, Rob Rob Elliott mm-hmm. Rob Elliott had it. Um, Tim Krul's been in that discussion. Carl Darlow was the was the keeper for long periods, and him and Elliot keep swapping around. There's no there's no longer a, a debate. De is clearly number one. He's clearly I would say better than they were to the other two goalkeepers. So I don't think didn't I don't think neither of them, did anything too bad. But they just stand out. yeah it didn't stand out exactly and there was always that nervousness always a bit always a bit shaky you, you, you were worrying when they were coming for the ball that Elliot particularly flapped a few times earlier in the season um, now Newcastle defence looks so solid and I think Dubrovka is a main part of that reason as Chris says he's constantly organising but he does it in a way which doesn't necessarily which which, which transmits a certain calmness and mm. he's comfortable on the ball and it, it was good to see Thierry Henry speaking about it at the weekend before the game and he was saying that the impact he's made yes he's comfortable on the ball he looks so calm, he looks confident, but he's not a keeper who, you know, berates the defenders. And I know that's a stellar goalkeeper that, you know, it, it, it depends on your character. Peter Schmeichel was famous for it wasn't he, like he constantly at his defence. But I don't think particularly likes of the who's just coming into his own now, they they aren't the kind of characters who need that kind yeah. of you know, in, in, in your face, screaming and d has come coming made such a difference to the to his defence in front of him. I mean, it's such different to the team I and mean, his own form have been brilliant but he's done it in a way which is oozed, oozed calmness and whose sophistication I would say
0: it's the organisation which has been crucial last summer if you look at all the keepers being here was looking at the likes of Rayna the likes of Willy Caballero and all the teams they've been at it's communication that they've yeah. been crucial they're, they're, both, they're good on the ball but that is part of the fact that their communication is so important and he felt that Newcastle were lacking that dimension early in the season, and that was what left him so frustrated. I know the defeat to Watford in November or October, whenever it was, when they lost three 0 I know he came off the, the, after that game, and he felt that that if Newcastle had had the sort of keeper he wanted, who could have moved around the defenders, then Yedlin and Ritchie wouldn't have been quite all right back in another positions, and and that was the point where really those sorts of games he felt they really lacked. That, for, that goalkeeper who was going to control from the back and his, his eyes and ears as he, as he wants them to be. and He's got that now, and I think that he's been impressive to Bravka because, as much as he did his homework, as much as um, he had a lot of scouting reports done on him and he spoke to a lot of people at lots of different clubs, he knew it was a bit of a gamble because he was 29, he hadn't really played for Zavaki until a couple of years before, and nobody could quite work out why. They thought there must have been a reason, but he just was not, even though he played for the Slovakian champions for years he just never really got picked up by them and it, it's worked out to be it was a calculated gamble but one which at the moment has really
1: paid off I suppose it just shows another case where Rafa Benitez was right
0: yeah I mean we could go through the vast majority of things and if you laid it out on the table I don't think Mike Ashley would come out on top on, on many things if any uh, as compared uh, to Rafa Benitez it's been a, a sort of ma- Marriage of convenience between the two of them so far. I, I think it's the best interest of everyone if Ashley goes, but I do think that <coughs> there is a way that even if Ashley stays. That, that as long as he lets Benitez continue to control the football inside, which he, to be fair, he has done. He may not have allowed him the same players he wanted, but he hasn't interfered as someone else would do in a lot of areas. And as long as he gives them, loosens the purse strings and allows, things to take over quick so transfers can be done about it. as long as he allows them to start reforming the training ground there may be a way the two of them work together going forward as I said it would be best interest if, if a takeover happens but I do think that Ashley, even Ashley realises he's under a good thing Rafa as there
1: i going to possible takeover in just a second I mean <clears throat> obviously we could mention Matt Rich as well getting that first goal against uh, the season against Manchester United was, was crucial we could go on and mention it a few more but um, I'll give you 20 seconds maybe each just to state your claim for the key player
0: Martin Dubravka just because all the aforementioned points uh, he made calmness in a different dimension to Newcastle so good so, so adept on the ball very good in the air and I think he's improved the
1: defence so Martin Dubravka that with 5 seconds to spare Sean
2: your key man Let's this is going to sound really boring but I was going to say Martin Dubravka as well <laughs> but being a former goalkeeper and all that but yeah but I think Tabrathka was uh, the impact he's made in terms of you know solidifying the defence allowing them to, to kind of play with a bit more freedom a bit more confidence not transmitting any any sort of shakiness his confidence in the air his confidence in the ball I think he's been brilliant and it's been a missing thing that like Newcastle has kind of filled in now We'll, we'll afford you that three or four seconds <laughs> over um, we've
1: got plenty of questions from fans over on Twitter and Facebook, so we'll get on to them to wrap up. Um, Tristan Vonberg asks, What has happened with Mikel Mourinho? Do we think that Mourinho will get more time in the last five games? What's his future? Is he going to be your key part next season or is he going to be sold down in the summer?
0: Mourinho is a very interesting one because if you asked me this question two months ago, I'd just have said it's just taking a bit of time to get back. He's he had the injuries and the other two are playing so well, but the fact that he isn't even getting on the bench and he is fit is doesn't quite sit right. And The reports that came out that he'd asked to leave, I'm not sure how true they were, but there doesn't ever seem to be smoke without fire and there's certainly a few things going on. And at the moment, I wouldn't be overly surprised if, if there was the possibility that he could leave this summer. I think that we will see him again before the end of the season, but I think at the moment... He's struggling to match the levels of the three ahead of him. Um, and he, he's gonna, He'll have to sit down, with Rafa Benitez, and see what he's going for. I know Rafa still believes that he can become a very good player, but sometimes moves just don't quite work out. He hasn't reached the heights he did earlier in the season, but um, I think it, it, it's, it's a one which we'll have to watch carefully at the moment. I think it's all
1: a bit up in the air, really. Gagum Machiam on Facebook asks... Can Newcastle make it into Europe this year, Sean, which is ambitious, I think, um, and what should the target be for next season? I suppose that also depends on the cash.
2: You know, Should they afford for Berniers? Um Well, simply put, they can, but they won't make Europe. it Europe. Europe. Um, just in terms of, you know, I saw a few people asking on Twitter the other day, if Newcastle end up finishing 8th for Arsenal with the Europa League, does that then afford England another European place? It doesn't, unfortunately, so if Newcastle do finish 8th, unfortunately, they've just got the title of the best of the rest. <laughs> you know, That like, much covered in prize. Yeah, that was covered in prize, well, I'll take it, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, you know, back in the day, you had this, like, to the intertoto cup, and I think when Liverpool won the Champions League, it kind of worked down that way, but all you've got to do is look at what happened last season when Manchester United won the Europa League. It just meant that England had five teams in the Champions League, and then two in the Europa League, and that's going to be the same again this season. Um, Burnley are out of sight I think even if Newcastle win every single game between now and the end of the season it's not going to be enough to call back Burnley um, and what a job Sean Dyche has done there by the way I think he should win really manager of the year to to get Burnley into 7th place and to only be 2 points off Arsenal with such little time left in the season is absolutely remarkable considering I think he's got either the second lowest or possibly even the lowest wage budget in the league which is just Absolutely fantastic. So I'm glad that a team like Burnley is going to get their chance to kind of keep punching above their weight. And the second question has escaped me. What was the second question again, What should the priority be next season? Um, well, Rafa consistently talked about making the top eight, and they've got a chance of doing that this season. They might well fall away now that the you know the they've the, the surpassed the forty point mark. The motivation might not possibly be there between now and the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd like to think with this group of players and I, I and I personally think that they will try and finish as high as possible. But if eight out of reach this season, it's gotta be the target next season. And, you know, if Burnley are making that top seven, there's no reason why Newcastle can't aspire to be that seventh place team. I think the top six is gonna be way out of reach. You know, Newcastle have performed miracles to be even where they are now. Um so they're gonna have to be well backed in the summer to kind of maintain those levels but I think top eight will be his aim and there's no reason why Newcastle can't aspire to do that.
0: And have a right go at the Cups as well. He wants to be able to have a yeah. go at the Cups. And he didn't feel in a position to be able to do that this year because he didn't think he had the, a, a deep enough squad to be able to do yeah. that. Next year, it's about making sure Newcastle start better, get themselves in a very strong position and then they can really have a go and try and win one of those or certainly get deep into the, one of those competitions. It'd be nice to, to break the Mike Ashley... Uh, glass ceiling of fourth round of the FA Cup certainly
2: that was it in the FA Cup as well wasn't it everyone was so positive that Benitez played such a strong team against League 2 Luton, only for the Burnley game which was so important at the time to be three days after playing Chelsea away in the fourth round it was, just, it was circumstance more than anything wasn't it I think even even with the squad he had this season you would have loved to have had a deep run in the competition Look, the likes of Southampton being in the semi-finals it could have been done, but circumstances weren't against it. But as Chris says, next season there's no reason why we can't have a deep run in the competition.
1: And that leads us on to basically the next bunch of questions, half a dozen mm-hmm. here, based around Takeover and Mike Ashley. So um, if you did put some questions in about that, thank you very much. I'm not going to name you all because it was rather a lot of people, but we do appreciate them. So first off, um, coincidence that Takeover talk had died down in Castle's form had an him. No.
0: It was, there was there was a direct correlation between the two it was it a time when the castle really struggled was that October through December when, when it was and it was it was distracting it was distracting for everyone and as much as you maintained that the, the players weren't thinking about it and whatnot the cells came out and admitted it a few weeks ago that, that it had become a bit of a, a distracting factor and when you're uncertain about who's going to be you, you, your owner, who, who's going to be your employer. Um, what direction the club's going in it, it does become unsettling and, and the longer it dragged on it, it didn't help anyone because it it, it dominated the, we don't, the football almost got forgotten for a few weeks and that was at the start of Newcastle's bad run and then by the time they were in the bad run that's when everyone realised we've lost the last five or, or whatever it was and um, I, th- I think that oh, particularly in December it almost became lost because everyone was like oh, J- January, January transfer and January but Newcastle had seven or eight games in that period which they needed to get points from, which some, most of them they didn't. And so I think it did contribute. Um, and hopefully it, it then, if it does resurface, it, it resurfaces in the next few weeks and over the summer rather than actually during the season because I don't think it helped anyone.
1: Do you think Newcastle will be taken over?
0: Ever again, yes. This summer, I honestly at this stage wouldn't be able to see either way I think it's very much again up in the air I, 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 I couldn't come out I wouldn't see anything's imminent but at the same time I think that if something is going to happen it's likely to be very fast and not necessarily play out as it did back in October through Chris yeah. Waff
1: sitting on the fence Um it's going to be if Mike Ash does sit say it's what budget do you think you will afford Ralph but as Willie put his hand in his pocket and say right you've kept us up Let's go make a real goal of trying to be at the top eight. Or will you look
2: at it and maybe think, you've kept us up on a relatively small budget, Rafa? Go and do it again. It's, it's hard to judge, isn't it? You can never really see so say for sure with Mike Ashley. But is yes, convinced he's gonna get a large portion of the TV money that's gonna be coming in. Um so he feels he'd be a lot more competitive this this summer than he was last summer. Um that's probably as much as I can say and You can't really predict how Ashley's gonna see it. It's a genuine fear for Newcastle fans that But he hasn't complained about lack of funds and not being able to compete, yet he's worked a miracle and got them in the top 10. Potentially could even finish eighth place this season. That actually looks at that and says, Well, you've done top eight now. You're saying that's your ambition. We'll give you what we give you last summer and work with that kind of thing. Which, you know, to anybody else would defy logic, but it's been symptomatic of my Ashley Erasnate. You look at the season, they finished fifth, where they had a massive chance to really kick on and establish themselves as one of. You know the Premier League's top six teams, and all they did was sign Ver and say, "We've well, managed to finish fifth this season. Go again." And you end up being in a relegation battle that year. And you know it defies belief to people like us who you know that you're gonna to have to consistently improve year on year. And um, but it just doesn't seem like he kind of got that acumen in terms of his track record so far. But you can't predict what's gonna happen this summer if he does stay. I imagine Benitez will get a fair portion of the TV money hopefully substantial enough that he makes a significant improvement on the squad.
0: I share all the same anxieties as as Newcastle fans and Sean does, but at the same time, when Rafa Benitez sits down and asks if he wants to, he will say to them, I need a significant portion of this TV budget, between £1,500 hundred million, something like that, to be able to maintain what we've done, never mind move on. So... um, I think that in that sense that would reassure me a little bit more that Benitez is is going to want that and so if I I think that Newcastle will spend this summer I'm not necessarily sure it's going to be massive but I think that they will spend more than they did last
1: year. Last summer helicopters arriving at the training ground you know Robert Benitez staying says I've got the the assurances that I want to stay we all assumed that meant I've been given the assurances on money. Now is he going to go and do the same again, where he sits down talks, he's going to come out and say, yeah, got the assurances and we're going to be back at square one. Or is he going to maybe get something in writing perhaps and say, look,
0: well, I think you will look for things in writing because I think that, whether disingenuously or whether by accident, um, which I would always struggle to believe, the, there was lost in translation between Mike Ashley's side and, and Benitez's side, as to what was agreed last summer. I think that the, Mike Ashley would argue that it always included the, the budget they talked about round about £70 million all in included wages it included agents fees it included everything to do with the transaction rather than just the transfer fees and Rafa Benitez was led to believe or at least his side of it of my understanding that more, the, a larger proportion of that was going to be actual transfer fees and then the other stuff was on top and so I think he's going to want everything written down He's going to want to say, this is how much I want for for transfer fees. This is how much we're going to need for wages. This is how much we're going to need for agents fees. I think he's going to need all that laid down on the table and all those assurances. So I think it's going to be a case of, he felt he was given assurances last summer, but maybe he didn't get the clarification he needed this year. I think everything, if he sits down with Mike Ashley, everything will be ironed out to a T.
1: Certainly going to be interesting. Just briefly give me a yes or no answer. Um, Johnny Scallon asks Will Mitro, uh, Mirovic, Rolando Ahrens, and Adam Armstrong return in the summer and have a feature on Tyneside? Uh, Chris Mitro? No. Sean? No.
2: Armstrong? No. Armstrong? I think he'll go on on again. I don't think they'll sell him this summer. Uh, and Rolando Ahrens? Yes. I'm a bit unsure. I think it depends. If they, manage, if they land Kennedy on a permanent basis, I don't see where Roland Aaron's fits into the squad anymore. And I was a big fan of his move to Verona. I'm sorry, I'm giving you more than <laughs> no answer. Yeah, it's no, a long, long word. It's then. a long, long <laughs> word. Yeah, but uh, no. But I feel like you, you know, I was a big fan of how he to Sorry, I'm shouting down the mic now. I'm a big fan of how he turned. Passionate. T- yeah, oh, Rolando Aaron's is my is my subject, but no, uh, I think I think I was a big fan of how he went to Serie A and turned down holes. A massive challenge, but. Unfortunately, it hasn't really worked out from over there. He's he's been in and out of the team. He's in a side that's struggled, and he hasn't done anything out there which suggests that he's going to come back in the side and you know oust the likes of Atsu and Murphy in the pecking order that's before he even talked about Kennedy and Richie. Final question before we briefly
1: just go on set of the outing game from Robert Walker, who asks: If you were in a wall defending a free kick and you had Shelby or Richie lined up to take it, and it was going to hit you square. Well, maybe not in the face. That would be a bit painful. Or just generally in the body area, who would you rather be taking the free kick? What a great question. I think it's one of the best we've ever had. <laughs> Certainly left field. Um, oh,
0: uh, no, going pro- this. Probably Richie, because I think Shelby's likely to put a little bit more behind it. That's not having to go either their the techniques. I think they're different techniques. I just think Shelby hits the ball a little
1: harder. So I'm going to go Richie.
2: Yeah, see Richie as well. Funny enough, the comments
1: underneath that question said exactly the same. they just felt Charlie would probably knock you into the next world of his free kick. <laughs> um, Everton uh, on Monday, just briefly, Newcastle can win and go go level on points with them, is it? Um, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead and, it be, yeah, both
2: mm. both of those. Yeah. Yes,
1: because of the goal difference. Yeah. Um, Big Sam's not had the best times there. That the fans don't seem happy. Strange like that. But, Mm, I don't know is it it
2: seems to fall my about doesn't it um, well, Big, big Sam's done a great job in keeping him in the Premier League did
0: you hear what he said about the Swansea game the other day they went to Swansea and Drew and he said it was a really good result because Swansea's a hard place to go Everton have only lost at Swansea once in their history they've won four of the last six or something and Swansea haven't been great at home for the majority of the season they have been better under Carlos well. but that's what, he, that's, that's what Big Sam does he he tries to create a narrative. It's almost Mourinho-esque, but in a far less subtle and weird way. Creates a narrative
1: as popular as an anti-Aladice podcast may do. I'm going to give you five minutes to discuss the Everton game. We'll focus on how Newcastle okay, okay, can be Everton. Way. Sorry, how can Newcastle be Everton? Um,
0: by playing with the same sort of confidence and freedom as they have in the last few weeks, get Kennedy on the ball as much as possible. Um, Perez staying in the form that he is and, and getting into the positions he is, and also DiArme and, and Shelby dominating the midfield. Because I think they can do that against Everton. Everton have a lot of midfielders, but very few of them can get around very much. I think you take care of that, and I think that they're quite leggy, their midfielders. So if Shelby and DiArme can get the better of them, I think Newcastle can, can, can win it a ground, which historically they haven't done particularly well at.
2: Yeah, that, well, that, I think you know we were, we were all here two weeks ago. And you asked the same question about Leicester I was a lot more worried about Newcastle going to Leicester than I am than going to Everton. Clearly they've got talent in the squad, they spent a lot of money. You know, it's, it's not going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination, but they've proven they can go to a place at Leicester and win. There's no reason why they can't do it at Everton. And as Chris said, the midfielders are quite leggy. Like to Phil Jagielka. Elder are still playing in the back four. Mm. Dwight Gilden caused him caused him problems all, after, all all evening, rather. Um do you think, it, do you think... Gale's start I uh, I'm, a bit torn. I'm a bit torn I, I would like to see Slamani start but I mean obviously we're going to speak to Rafa there in the week but from what he said and the ways he's trying to stick to the you I imagine you, you might just stick with Dwight Gale the,
0: the thing with Everton as well the, the, the Everton home game for me was probably the most frustrating game of the season because it was when Newcastle really were low on confidence and struggling and Everton were abysmal they were absolutely terrible they came here and had one effort, which was a mistake from, from Darlow, and scored from it. And the second half was a complete non-event, because Newcastle just couldn't really get anything going, but Everton didn't do anything. And that, 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 as much as they spend, spent, I think they've spent in the wrong areas, they, they, they lack a real cohesion and balance to the side, and, and I think that Newcastle can actually, as bad as Newcastle were that day, if Newcastle look and analyse that game, I think they can take confidence from it, because that was a game that, that if Newcastle were in the form... That they are now back then they would have comfortably beaten Everton that day at St. James's Park
1: Is there a chance that Big Sam will make it all about him, you know, welcoming back his former uh, club? There's I not a chance, he read.
0: definitely will, yeah. Score predictions
2: Um One one. Sean. Two one Newcastle. Two one Newcastle. That's the
1: confidence we like. Uh thank you very much for joining us. If we head over to UK you can keep to date with all the latest Nicast United news. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, and share the podcast, whether that be through iTunes, Order Boom, Spotify, or whichever platform you may be listening through. And if you want to get involved with the podcast, you can do so via our social media channels. We're over on Twitter at ChronicleNUFC and on Facebook at the same handle, ChronicleNUFC. We want your questions, your topics, your feedbacks. So why don't you drop us a line and get in touch?